Welcome back to The Darker Side, True Crime. I'm your host, Breaker. If you haven't already, please hit the subscribe button and tell a friend today. Sorry for the late show, along with some technical problems. I've been looking at changing the format of the show, so keep an ear out. Today we'll be covering the case of From Oppression to Freedom. With that said, on with the show. Charles? Charles? was only five when the Khmer Rouge took control in Cambodia. Thai's family, like millions of others, was forcibly evacuated to the countryside from the capital of Phnom Phen to a northwestern province. Four years later, during the chaos of the takeover to the end of Khmer Rouge, Thai was separated from his family. During that time, his parents made their way across the border to a refugee camp in Thailand. From there, they got permission to settle in Honolulu. For almost a decade, from more than halfway across the Pacific, they sought word of their son. At last, across the Pacific Ocean, they finally got an answer. All this time, Thai had been in a refugee camp in Vietnam. Now 18 or 19, Thai reunited with his family, squeezing into a studio apartment on Kapiolani Boulevard with his parents and siblings. It was anything but luxurious. But it was a safe haven in a world away from the chaos that they had escaped, and by comparison, it was a land of plenty where used furniture someone left on the curb could be dusted off and made perfectly serviceable. Sidebar. Yeah, they do that. They do do that here. People do do that. Um, they, people just toss their old furniture out on the side of the street side, on the sidewalks. Um, in residential areas. They shouldn't be doing that, but they do it anyway. Recently, it was made illegal by acts of the local legislature here. I believe you face fines, hefty fines, I believe, if you get caught doing it. Anyhow, back to the show. Ty found a job with where his father had been working at the Kapilani coffee shop famous for its oxtail soup and stayed there for several years but he wanted to spend more time with his two young children and so he started driving a cab then late one night in 2010 on his 41st birthday Tai was found beaten to death next to his cab in the parking lot of a times supermarket in Waipahu 
he escaped one of the most notoriously savage episodes in recent history only to meet a violent death in the seemingly peace of paradise. It didn't, but it didn't take long for the police to identify subjects within the next couple of years. But we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. But more than a decade later, one of those men, Michael Robles, had recanted his testimony against the other, Kilani Derego, who as the alleged instigator had been sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole. And after a series of legal twists and turns, Derego is scheduled to be retried in a Honolulu courtroom starting this month. Many of the witnesses and police experts have moved on, making the case challenging. But the Honolulu Prosecuting Attorney's Office, or the DA or District Attorney, believes that justice for Tai Tang depends on convicting Durego again. A jury may agree at least settling the case and giving some sense of finality to Tai's family and friends. Or it will find Durego not guilty, finding in effect that he was wrongly imprisoned for most and that would mean that the events outside Time Supermarket in Waipahu that spring night in 2010 had derailed not just one life, but two. In 2010, Angel Keona got a phone call from a Hawaii Child Welfare Services worker or Child Protective Services in Hawaii about her son, Kelani Derego. Kelani had been a foster in foster care because of her drug problems. Quote, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, unquote. Keona recalls the worker saying, quote, but your son has been arrested for murder, unquote. Through the tears and shock, her first and most persistent thought was that she needed to see him, look him in the eye, and ask him what happened. She believed that her son was incapable of such a crime, but needed to hear it directly from him. It took her a while for her to track him down to the, to the labyrinth of bureaucracy and our justice system, but when she did, she got on the next plane from Hilo to Honolulu and met him in a room with glass on all sides at the Kapolei Juvenile Detention Facility. She asked him to tell her exactly what happened, if this was an accident, a dispute that had spiraled out of control. She wanted to know it all. Quote, he was kind of hurt that I even doubted him for a second, unquote, she said. Kailani said he wasn't even there, much as an instigator of a fatal assault. Since that time, she said, quote, his story never changed, not once, unquote. And her belief in her son's innocence has never wavered. As she poured through the dispositions and 
pursued alternate alternative explanations. Even after Kilani out on parole botched an armed robbery of an illegal gaming room, she and others in her family have stuck by him. Angel, Angel remembers Kilani, youngest of her five children, as a, quote, rascal kid, unquote, struggling with attention deficit disorder. He didn't take to school, but he did do things with his hands. At the age of five, he got a shovel and a pick, dug up some banana tree roots, and planted them in a garden he had made for them. They grew into trees. He taught himself ukulele. He liked to draw and could conjure likenesses of people from memory. Kilani was raised on the big island, but when his mother's drug habit landed her in jail, he ended up in a series of foster care homes. Kilani said in an interview to several to Silver Beat from OCCC, or Oahu Community Correctional Center, said he was constantly running away and rebelling from his foster parents. He remembers one home in particular where he had grown attached to the mother, but with no explanation, Kilani thinks it was probably his behavioral problems. Quote, they said, pack your bags, jump in the car, we're taking you down to the main office. Pretty much they gave up. It kind of broke my heart. It was like losing another mom again. Unquote. Sidebar. That's heartbreaking. But things like that happen, I guess, pretty often. I've heard it on, happen in other cases as well. It's sad. Back to the case. When another foster care placement with a cousin on Oahu didn't work out, Angel brought him back to Hilo. He wanted to earn his GED diploma and take the test to enter the Hawaii National Guard. With no foster placements available to him on the big island, the state agreed to let him live at Halekipa a home for at-risk youth in Manoa. At this point, Kilani said he had, quote, anger issues, unquote, and a juvenile record he describes as, quote, extensive, unquote. Michael Robles was also at Halikipa at the time, and the two who Kilani said had grown up with each other Slightly in elementary school, started hanging out together. Kilani was working as a dishwasher at the Hilton Waikiki Beach, and according to Angel, doing everything she he asked him to, including regularly attending church. He had a girlfriend he hoped to marry. Everything seemed to be on track. When Kilani got his GED diploma, quote, I ordered a cap and gown, and I was supposed to walk down the line with 
with McKinley Community School for Adults, unquote. I already thought my future was looking bright and I was going to have all those pictures with those ladies around my neck for graduation and all those other kids have. All that got stopped when I got arrested for this murder. Ty never spoke much about his experiences in Cambodia. He never seemed damaged by it, his, his son Jarvis said. Quote, looking at him, I never would have thought he went through experiences like that. Jarvis had said, quote, he, sh he showed it to my sister and me. He was just that kind of dude, unquote. Hongli Kui became good friends with Tai after he arrived in Honolulu. Hongli had moved in next door to Tai's parents on Kapiulani Avenue. They discovered that they were from the same area just outside Phnom Penh and learned about their missing son. When the Tangs heard that they had been located in a Vietnamese refugee camp, Hongli got involved in the effort to bring him to Honolulu. The two friends talked about having to eat frogs and earthworms to fend off hunger, hunger during the Pol Pot regime. Tai did not dwell on his experiences, but Hongli assumed it was much like his own. Families were forced to leave the cities, told to move in with strangers in the countryside. Children were separated from their parents, assigned to groups that worked and slept together. The groups were forced to attend indoctrination sessions in the evening. They knocked down temples and gravestones with hammers so that every corner of the country could be turned into productive cropland. And yet, almost everyone went hungry. Hongli's father collapsed and died while crawling from his hut to get his daily ration. Hongli had been a healthy young man when the Khmer Rouge took over. But over those four years, he'd sometimes look at his arms and see nothing but bone and skin. Today, when he sees pictures of starving children, he breaks down and cries. Quote, I had thought I would die that the next day many times, unquote, he said. In the chaos of the war with Vietnam, the Tangs took whatever possessions they could carry and headed for Thailand. Quote, Thai was some place else, and during the confusion, you didn't know where the family went, unquote. He had said, he believes Thai probably returned to the Tang's original home just outside Phnom Penh and waited, but when no one arrived, he made his way to the refugee camp in Vietnam. Quote, looking at him, I would never thought he went through raw experiences like that. He never showed it to my sister and me. He's just that kind of dude. Said his son. When Ty arrived in Honolulu, he could barely, barely write Cambodian. Hongli said, the Khmer Rouge had suspended much of schooling. But Tai had picked up a surprising proficiency in English at the refugee camp. 
And once she arrived in the U.S., she quizzed people endlessly about English expressions and grammar, jotting down answers in a notebook. He had an insatiable curiosity about other things as well. Once he and Hong Lee went, were jogging around the soccer field at Kaimuki High School, and Tai said something that, that had been puzzling him. How if everyone who had been ever lived were resurrected after the second coming? Would there be room on the planet for all of them? He also learned about the stock market. Hong Lee is not sure how and had managed to make a substantial profit. He bought an apartment in Salt Lake. Wow. Another friend, Thomas Riddle, recalled in a written Remembrance of Tai, quote, there didn't seem to be anything that didn't interest him. And when he talked about things, he actually knew what he was talking about. If he told you something, you knew it was true. Unquote. Riddle, like the others, recalled that Tai didn't show any obvious scars from his youth. Quote, I had the impression that although his life hadn't, had not been easy at all, he had never been sad for one day or even one moment he had, he had rolled. Tai offered to give him a ride to the airport, Riddle had said, and he was struck by how much pleasure he took in being able to offer help. He was no longer the helpless refugee dependent on others. Though Tai worked all the time, he took off a couple weeks to return to Cam Cambodia with Hong Lee, who had organized annual trips to help a church and provide aid to those struggling to recover from the years of disruption, handing out toothpaste and other necessities of life. Tai's two children, who lived with their mother, would visit their dad on weekends. Just before bedtime, Tai would head out to his cab, returning in the morning when the kids were waking up, his son recalls. If he ran into Daisu's situation in his cab, he never mentioned it, both Hong Li and his son recalls. In fact, he never even talked about his job at all. At his 2011 trial, Michael Robles gave his account of what happened on the night that Tai was murdered. Robles said he snuck out of Halikipa to meet Kiolani in Waikiki, where they both drank. In the cab from Waikiki sometime after midnight, Kailani got out, told him to get out and run when they got to Waipahu. Robles said, he followed the plan and ran, but turned around to see Kailani and Tai arguing. As he walked back towards the two, Robles said, quote, I saw Kailani throw the first punch, and then the guy went down, unquote. Robles said that he tried to intervene as Tai held on to one of Kelani's knee legs. He testified that he had kicked the cabbie to try to let him go, but Kelani pushed him out of the way 
and kept beating Ty because his head causing his head to bounce off the ground. A homeless man collecting cans who saw the two men running found Ty next to his white four-door Crown Victoria cop cars with the engine still running and the driver's door open. Lying face up with blood coming out of his ears, he was gurgling and mumbling unintelligibly. According to the summary of the case by the Intermediate Court of Appeals, he died a couple hours later. Both Michael and Kilani both left Halikipa a day or so later and were living on the streets. Kilani said he ran away because of an ongoing conflict he was having with one of the staff and Michael insisted on coming with him. He claims at that point he knew nothing about Ty's murder. He had been sought by the police before for running away from home, but when 20 police cars cornered him in Waikiki, he knew that something was far more serious was going on, he said. He was handcuffed and put in the back of a patrol car, and it was only when he arrived at the cell block that he got an inkling of what he was facing. Quote, what is this guy coming in for? Unquote. He remembers an officer asking the driver of the patrol car, quote, homicide. Unquote. The driver replied, Michael was convicted of manslaughter and sentenced to 20 years. Akilani At Kilani's trial the following year, the defense presented three witnesses, including Kilani's girlfriend at the time, who testified that he had not even been in Waikiki that night. Instead, all three said that he had been, he and the girlfriend had, were at a party with her Hanai sister. Hanai sister means not really a sister, it's more like a really close friend considered to be like a sister. That's what Hanai means. And her fiancé at Schofield Barracks. They testified that they spent the whole night at the apartment and ate pancakes and bacon together in the morning. The prosecution offered the testimony from bus driver who saw Kilani and Robles get into the cab in Waikiki after finding out his bus did not go to Waipahu. Police experts said that Kilani, a week after the murder, noticed red marks above and below his eyes, on his calf, and on the top of his right hand, and knuckles, and elsewhere. But when it came time for Michael to testify, he shocked the courtroom by repeating what he had told police and testified at his trial. With all, quote, with all due respect to the jury and the judge, I would like to say that everything I said in the statement and everything I said at, in my trial were all a bunch of lies, unquote. He had said. Later, Robles refused to answer any questions from Kilani's attorneys asserting the Fifth Amendment's protection against self-incrimination. The judge ruled that the attorney could consider the statements that 
Michael made to the police, but did not allow the prosecution to bring out what Robles had had testified to at his own trial. Despite the surprising about face, it took the jury less than four hours to reject Kalani's alibi defense and find him uh, guilty of second-degree murder. He was second, uh, sentenced to life with the possibility of parole. But this bombshell would keep out sending out shockwaves. In 2015, an appeals court overturned Kailani's conviction, saying that the judge had, had erred by allowing the prosecution to introduce Michael's statements he had made to police even after he had taken the fifth, depriving the defense the right to cross-examine him. It had sent the case back to court. Which is why we're sitting here now. In 2016, Robo signed a, uh, Michael signed an affidavit explaining his actions. Quote, I decided to state that Kilani was the other person because it, that is who the police thought it was involved. And by agreeing with them, it would help me out, unquote, according to the affidavit. Quote, I continue stating this at, at his own trial so that I would not look like I lied when I qu was questioned by police." Unquote. He stated that another friend had been with him that night and initiated the assault. Wow, the, the web of lies we weave. He stated Kalani's conviction had offered some degree of satisfaction to Ty's family. Though his son Jarvis said the family did, did not discuss it often, quote, I'm pretty sure that everyone had pretty much a similar feeling that, yeah, that's the best we can get right now to have him in prison, unquote. So it was a nasty jolt to, know, to learn that his conviction had been overturned and sent back to the trial court. Quote, initially I was pretty angry, unquote. How did it, quote, how did this happen? How, how could it be overturned? I was pretty frustrated, this whole thing keeping Derego from being locked up, unquote. Jarvis was in Texas getting ready to deploy to Kosovo with the Hawaii National Guard when he learned that Kilani had been released from prison. He had just gotten out of class. Quote, I was very surprised at what I heard, unquote, he had said. In fact, Kalani had was released twice from prison. In 2017, he had been out for five months. He flagged down a police officer in Waikiki to tell him he had cut off the ankle monitor used by the Bill's mons, Bill, Bill Bondsman to track him, saying, quote, he wanted to go back to jail, unquote. Then, in 2018, his grandmother billed him, out, billed him out again, but didn't cover the full amount, leaving up to, leaving it up to Kilani to make up the difference. This time, things got went even worse. Wearing a ski mask, he went into an illegal game room, pointed a revolver at a bouncer, the star advertiser had reported telling everyone to get on the ground. 
He took money from the cashier and tried to flee out the front door, but it was locked. And a patron and a bouncer managed to subdue him and get his gun, which by that time had already fired three times into a wall. By the time the police arrived, Kilani was lying in a pool of it of his own blood and had to be taken to a hospital in serious condition for facial fractures. It certainly was not the best of looks for a man trying to exonerate himself in a homicide case. Kilani, who admits he did do the armed robbery, says it was the result of his inability to navigate the world outside of prison where he'd been since the age of 17. When he was released, he said, quote, all I had was the clothes on my back and a bag of mail when I was bailed out. I didn't know how hard it was to live as an adult. I never did pay rent. I never did have to worry about buying food. I didn't have to worry about hygiene, clothes, where I was going to stay, unquote. Kilani Derego says that he has found God since he went to prison in 2012. He needed an ID to work, but said his had expired while he was in prison and he needed a birth certificate to get a new one, but he couldn't get a birth certificate without an ID. He had a part-time job cleaning restaurants at night in Waikiki and Ala Moana, but the boss said he couldn't keep working without an ID. Ah, catch-22 situation there. The bill bondsman had made him sign a contract to pay $500 every Friday, he said, but he didn't have the money, so he decided to rob the game room, thinking that if he didn't, he'd go back to jail anyway, and the reason, quote, because it's illegal, it's fair, fair game, unquote. The prosecution blames the long delay on Kilani and his lawyers. In 2019, Kilani's lawyer tried to withdraw his counsel. Scott Bell, a deputy, deputy prosecutor, wrote a memo opposing the move, pointing that out that Kilani had, has had three different lawyers in the four years since his conviction was overturned. In the meantime, Many of those involved in the original trial have moved on, including six detectives who have had retired or left HPD or the Honolulu Police Department, two of whom relocated to the continental U.S. The homeless man who found Ty has since died. Two other homeless men who the state wanted to call as witnesses have been located but, quote, Years on the street have not been kind to either man, unquote. Kalani, who did get a new lawyer, and the two sides have continued to fight over what can be said in court about Michael's words and actions. This month, that time, a judge ruled that Michael's affidavit pinning blame on another man could not be introduced as evidence if he he doesn't testify, which he says has said he will not do. Meanwhile, this year, Kalani wrote a letter to Michael entreating him to tell what 
Kalani claims is the truth about what happened that night. Quote, Dearest Mikey, unquote, he wrote, quote, Tonight, like countless other nights, I lay in my bed restless, restless, restlessly, oh, get it out, breaker, peering into the dark solitude of my room, just thinking over and over about how could of my life have been, have ended this way. Quote, Eleven years of my life has been taken away from me because of what you've said. I want to know the truth from you and why you said what you said. Not only for me, but for the family of the man who died. Quote, Bro, respond to me. Work with, work with me to prove my innocence in Charlie Tang's death and give me my life back. Make things right. That's all I ask. I have nothing to offer but my love. Unquote. Before Kalani was tried the first time, Angel had been sent to jail for a few days for violation of the Hope Probation Program, which she credits for eventually getting her sober. She was assigned to help the acting warden in her office. Angel started talking about her son's case when the warden stopped and asked, quote, what case was that again? Unquote. The cab driver who was killed in Waipahu, Angel explained, quote, oh my God, unquote. The warden said and pointed out to a man outside her office window who had been teaching GED classes in the jail. It turned out that Ty had donated his organs and the GED teacher received his lungs. Quote, he's a hero, Angel, unquote, Angel says of Ty. His family and friends, she said, quote, need closure, they need to know the truth. Quote, all we want, everybody wants, is the truth, unquote. Before I continue, Big Kalani Durego prosecuted, found guilty, and is facing life without parole in OCCC. According to court documents, Michael Robles was found guilty by a judge of manslaughter and was sentenced to 20 years of prison and a $10,000 in restitution to the family. It's unknown if he is out on parole or not. I feel it is without a doubt that Michael killed Ty. Kalani, on the other hand, I expressed doubt. If I were on the jury, I wouldn't have been able to vote guilty. Looking at the evidence and the available testimony, and the court documents. He had alibis and his friend couldn't keep his story straight. Speaking about Michael. I think that there is an innocent person in jail. His friend sold him out, sold him out to, get, to try to get a lesser conviction and he did. What a fucking scumbag. 
Was justice served? No. Personally, I don't think so. Not with possibly an per innocent person in jail and the actual person that helped kill Ty or was there on the scene with the person who killed Ty still out there and the person that did so may already be out of prison on parole for good behavior but we don't have the full story since we weren't in court and the reporting here in Hawaii is rather shoddy at best I was lucky to find the story that I did that was uh... with that said this brings the story to a close thank you for listening and subscribing to my podcast if you haven't already please subscribe tell a friend and please rate and review if you like it we're on Google Podcasts, Apple, Anchor, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and wherever you get your podcasts. If you have any comments or suggestions for cases, please feel free to email info at darkersidepodcast.com. I'm on Zaf my ho official home on the internet, zafula.com. That's X-E-P-H-U-L-A.com. You will only find one official podcast page. It is on that website. Sign up for an account. Like the page. Uh, I My personal page is there as well. Breaker O'Day. Send me a friend request. I will accept. Mahalo and see you next time on The Darker Side. Mm -hmm.